Hi everyone, Philip Sutka here. I have a small favor to ask. I recently updated the Dark River website and with it launched a new mailing list for the podcast. An email list is any author or podcaster's superpower. It's the most direct way that creators such as myself can connect with their audience. I have an exciting announcement coming soon and would like to share it with you first. And I'm going to need your help in launching this new development. So if you would be so kind... Go to darkriver.ca and access the hidden episode at the top of the homepage to sign up for the mailing list. Not only will you be the first to know about updates, but you'll also have access to a behind-the-scenes look at how I created each of the stories. If you try it for a bit and decide that it's not for you, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any of the emails. Believe me, I will not take offense. I will just be so thankful that you were willing to give it a shot in the first place. So head over to darkriver.ca, access the hidden episode, and join the ghosts in uncovering the town's secrets before anyone else. And now, on with today's story. Thank you for joining me in this strange small town in northern Ontario. My name is Philip Psutka. If this is your first time visiting, I'll be your guide. If you're a familiar face, it's good to have you back. The town embraces newcomers and old friends alike. But be warned, it doesn't easily let you go. So dim the lamps, settle in. Welcome to Dark River. The water was calm, and the thick morning mist that shrouded the lake slowly evaporated in the early sunlight. Dark Trout Lake lay still, as if pausing before some great unrest. John anticipated that storms were right around the corner. Although it was early November, The weather had been unnaturally warm, which had afforded him more time to come out here. It was Sunday, his one day off. While the other loggers would be sleeping in before spending the day with their families, John cherished his early morning ritual, so much so that he would turn down going to the tavern on Saturday nights with the other men so that he could get to bed early. Most considered him odd and reclusive, and he was. He didn't speak much, and generally avoided the company of others. He found solace in solitude, and had no desire to marry or start a family, for he had everything that he needed in his small cabin on the lake, as well as all the company he could ever desire in his art. Landscape painting was his specialty. He sold a few of his pieces here and there, but most of his work found their way to the walls of his small dwelling. Although portraits were in demand in Dark River, you had to be willing to put your subject's desires before your own, something that John wasn't interested in. Better to remain a logger and keep his art to himself, for it gave him all the rewards he needed. So here he was, looking over the expanse of the lake on a perfect morning, paintbrush in hand. He pulled his slim brush through the white on his palette and added strokes of it atop the water, for even though the image in front of him was dark and still, 
he decided that the water on his canvas should have some playfulness to it, some movement. The lake was sly, it had personality, and John knew that better than almost anyone. He had taken his canoe out on it many a time, including a morning last year much like this one when he had encountered a ghost of another artist. Now, here he was looking out onto the same lake, with the same wind picking up through the trees, but he felt none of the trepidation that had accompanied him to the water a year ago. His canvas was coming to life in the most beautiful way, and the race was on to see if he could capture the essence of the lake before it too evaporated with the mist. It took complete seclusion, especially in this age of industriousness, to grasp what the landscape had to offer. John knew all of this, and each painting that he did was a way of remembering it. This was partly why he hesitated to introduce people into the scenery. They mucked it up. He preferred standing on this side of the canvas and allowing the wilderness around Dark River to be his model. The sun pierced through the mist. A flash of yellow paint on the canvas quickly snared it. He was nearly there. The shape of the trees bending towards him, the water coming to life in the wind, and finished, just as the sun broke through. He stood back, admiring his work. He had learned long ago that in order to be happy with what he created, he had to accept that he was never going to fully capture his subject. It would always be elusive. Sitting back along a large root protruding from the small hill behind him, he closed his eyes and inhaled deeply. The sweet, dry smell of leaves filled his nostrils. Autumn was his favorite season, as it was still warm enough for a paddle, but cool enough for contemplation. He found the heat of the summer stifling. Creativity flourished in the cold. The wind had picked up. He could feel it on his face. A loon called out in the distance, echoing across the water like a spirit from another world. He opened his eyes and spotted it, though not where he expected to find it. The loon was in his painting, or rather, a tiny black speck was there, at the far end of the lake on the canvas. He stood up for a closer look. His mind was playing tricks on him, for the dark speck was simply a tiny blotch of black. Part of his brush must have flicked it on the surface while painting the depths. He packed up his supplies, folding and clasping his paint box tightly. The canvas still had yet to fully dry, but the wind had helped. He felt a chill and smiled at the thought of lighting the wood-burning stove. He had hardly had to do so yet, for it had been a strangely warm season, and this was one of the things that he looked forward to, for it only intensified the smell of wood in his cabin, and the dry heat and warm light were comforting. It also illuminated the landscapes hanging on his walls. Most were of Dark Trout Lake, but John had also ventured into the surrounding forest for inspiration. There were a few that featured live subjects, a red squirrel taunting him from a tree, 
a mouse trying to sneak up on him and steal his food, and a giant bull moose half-submerged in the river. But other than that, trees and water were his keenest subjects. There had been one particular morning when the fog had rolled in off the water right up to his cabin, and he had painted his dwelling from the outside, along with the path that led up to it. It had taken him numerous attempts to get the misty effect just right. He discovered the secret was to use a dry brush and smudge the features together. He pounded a nail into the wall close to the stove and hung his newest creation before lighting the fire. Once the flames had leapt to life, John decided to take advantage of his morning off and go for a quick dip in the lake, for it was getting cooler and there may not be many chances left this season. He dampened the stove to preserve the heat and headed back out the door. The sun was now peeking through the trees, glistening off the morning dew along the path. He debated bringing his canoe down as well, but thought better of it. Perhaps later. When he arrived at the water's edge, John removed his clothing, carefully folding it and placing it on the brambles that lined the banks to keep them out of the sand. Now naked, he stood up tall, stretched, and inhaled the beautiful fall air. He stepped into the water, and the cold sent a flood of goosebumps rippling up his body. He waded in, and every part of his body that could shrank away from the cold. With a deep breath, he slipped into the water, disappearing beneath the surface. The hollow sound of being submerged filled his senses like a strong wind, and he relished it, staying under for a few more moments before resurfacing. When he was young, he had been afraid of water, fearing something would come up from the depths and pull him under. But with enough patience, he had trained that fear out of him. There were, after all, no sharks in Dark Trout Lake. As he shook the water from his eyes, he noticed something in the distance. A dark shape at the far end of the lake. There's my loon, thought John, but it seemed too large. He wiped the water from his eyes and looked again. The shape was still there. It was as if a patch of intense black fog had concentrated over the far end of the lake, like the fabric of the air had been torn and was leaking dark matter. What are you? whispered John, and a shiver flashed through him. He dropped below the surface of the water one final time, and when he came up again, the black shape was gone. He stepped out of the lake, shaking cold droplets from his hair and rubbing his chest and armpits for warmth while he let the sun dry him. The wind had died down, and the lake was glass once again. He took advantage of the still air and the sun's warmth to stay out of his clothes a few minutes longer, for it could be until late next spring before he had a chance to do this again. As he pulled on his clothes, he heard the loon call. The air was warm and comforting inside his cabin, and he drew closer to the stove while glancing at his newest creation on the wall. There on the canvas was the same shape he had seen out on the lake, a small black void hovering above the water. 
Images of the ghostly encounter he'd had on the lake a year ago flooded back, and he squinted hard at the painting to try and make out the face. But there was no face, for it was something entirely different. You were sloppy with this one, that's all, John said aloud, hoping he could convince himself. Got a large blotch on it, clumsy. This one wasn't worth keeping, he decided. He would make up for it by doing a sunset painting tonight that he could hang here instead. He took the painting off the wall and couldn't help but stare at the black thing on the canvas a moment longer before tossing it into the stove. The fire engulfed the oil paint immediately. John's stomach growled as he closed the door to the stove, and he realized that he had forgotten to bring a pot down to the water with him before. All was silent and calm at the water's edge. As he scooped up some water from the lake, the wind picked up again, and he couldn't help but look up. But there was nothing. No black splotch on this canvas. As he turned to head back to the cabin, the loon called once again, and he felt the familiar shiver run up his spine. He didn't turn, though. Instead, he quickened his pace back to the cabin. He placed the pot of water on the stove before bending down to stoke the fire. The painting had been completely consumed. He stood up, and the painting greeted him once again, hanging in its spot on the wall. The black blotch was still there, but now it was far more visible. Whatever the thing was, it was much closer now. Then, the thing moved. It was almost imperceptible, but John swore that he had seen it shift and grow larger on the canvas. He tore out of the cabin, running down the path to the water's edge, and looked out across the lake. But there was nothing there. I must be going mad, he thought. But he didn't feel mad. He returned briefly to the cabin, but he didn't dare look at the painting again. He grabbed a mug and the kettle before heading back to the water's edge. After letting the coffee steep for a few minutes, he pulled out his knife and tapped the kettle to get the grounds to settle before pouring the coffee and taking a long pull, scalding his mouth. The lake lapped gently at the shore, inviting him in again, but he knew better. With the painting playing tricks on him, he didn't dare tempt fate with the water. Dusk crept up slowly and steadily, and the sun had dipped below the tree line before John realized that the day had passed and he hadn't eaten anything. He had let his one day off be consumed by dark thoughts, and, seeing the light around him dim, he was determined to make the most of his evening before he returned to the grueling labor in the forest tomorrow. A smoke by his canoe would be his salvation. After collecting his empty cup and the kettle, he headed back up the path. Food first, pipe after. As he approached his front door, he was hit by the realization that he had completely forgotten about the painting. No doubt it would still be there, the dark figure still taunting him. He took a deep breath and pulled the door open. His eyes landed on the painting near the stove almost immediately, and he felt a wave of relief. The black figure was gone. 
He walked right up to it, scanning the textured ripples, but he couldn't see any trace of it. Perhaps his eyes had played tricks on him in the early morning light, and he had spooked himself with his own imagination. Now, however, there was no denying that the painting was back to the way he had created it, free from any specters. He resolved not to let his mind fool him any more, and that's when he heard the loon call across the lake. His breath caught in his throat, and his heart seized for a brief moment before quickening its pace. His eyes had fallen upon another painting of the lake. The moon was full in this one, and it cast its ghostly light upon the shore, illuminating the ripples and frosting the brambles. The black figure stood on the beach, its silhouette backlit by the moonlight. There was no face for the front was all in shadow, and John could see one dark leg forward. The figure was moving up the beach in the direction of his cabin. What in God's name? said John aloud, and instantly made the decision that this painting, like his recent creation, was destined for the fire. He snatched it off the wall and tossed it into the stove, closing the door with a slam and securing the latch tightly. He pulled out the damper behind and in front to allow as much airflow as possible, and watched the painting ignite almost immediately. It was engulfed within seconds. The loon call came again, and he jumped, looking frantically around the room. The dark figure had stepped into the painting of the fog-laden path up to his cabin, He could see the dark shadow against the brown smears of his log walls on the canvas. John's skin prickled as he noted that the shadow was standing right next to the window. Slowly, he turned his head to look towards the glass. He braced himself for the appearance of a ghoulish face in the black, but the painting to the right of the window caught his eye as the loon called again. This painting was of the front of his cabin, and the dark figure now stood right outside the door. As John listened in horror, three knocks echoed off the cabin walls. Thank you for listening thus far. In a moment, we will return to the cabin. But first, I'd like to let you know that Dark River will be going through a transformation, so new episodes will be coming in the future, just not right away. In the meantime, feel free to revisit these stories and the ghosts within them. You may find things that you missed the first time around, for these stories are more connected than they initially appear. And if you've enjoyed your time in this haunting town and you'd like to support the show, you can do so at darkriver.ca slash support. I'd also like to take a moment to say a big thank you to the Region of Waterloo Arts Fund for supporting this episode and the show in general. But now, dear guests, let's rejoin John, the artist who first introduced us to Dark River right at the beginning of the show, and face this new ghost. Three knocks echoed off the cabin walls. 
John could barely move, let alone speak. He waited to see if they would come again, but all was silent. Hello? he said. Silence. Then the knocks came again, three sharp raps. As quietly as he could, John backed away from the door. It visibly shook on its hinges from the impact when the knocks came a third time. Something hot crawled up John's leg, and he saw flames licking his pants up to his shirt as he turned towards the open stove. John screamed as the searing pain worked its way up his side, and he frantically beat the flames, but to no avail. His hands flailed for water or liquid of any kind, but the kettle was empty. There was only one thing he could do. He tore out of his cabin and ran down towards the water, the wind fanning the flames and igniting them even more. As soon as he left the cabin, the knocks stopped. The lake was still and quiet, a dark mirror reflecting the full moon overhead. Screaming, John threw himself into the lake, catching sight of his reflection in the full moon just before he shattered the glass. A white, thin face had replaced his own, smiling back at him in a leerish grin, eyes wide and sunken into its head. And then he hit the water, and John knew no more. The men were perplexed when John didn't arrive at work the next morning. Although he had mainly kept to himself, he had always been on time and was extremely reliable. A few of them went looking for him after dinner at the bunkhouse. They knocked on the door to his cabin, but there was no answer. Peering into the window, they noticed that the stove was open, but there was no sign of John. They tried the front door, and it opened easily. The small cabin was full of paintings hanging on the walls around them, pieces of the path near the cabin, and many of Dark Trout Lake as well. But it was the painting inside the stove that caught their eye. Just as one of the men pulled it out and brushed the soot off it, others burst in to inform them of the accident down by the lake. A few of them had carried John's body back up to the house, and had set it next to his canoe. He had struck his left temple on a sharp rock close to the shore, and was dead. Then they too saw the painting, and all of them were silent. The dark figure stared back at them. Its shoulders and chest were a black silhouette, but a shard of moonlight fell across the face, illuminating it in harsh white. Although the eyes were sunken back into its head and the lips peeled back to reveal long white teeth, there was no doubt that it was the face of their fellow logger looking back at them, as solitary in death as he was in life. And to this day, when the autumn moon is full over Dark Trout Lake and the last of the loons are preparing to migrate, people still swear that they have seen the ghost of the painter on the shore looking out over the water at something far off in the distance 
before returning to his canvas. But when they approach the specter, a loon calls out over the lake, and the figure is gone. This has been a tale from Dark River, written and hosted by me, Philip Pasitka. I also produce the show as well as compose the music for it. This story's co-editor was Lindsay Belair, and the podcast artwork was done by Chris Pasitka. For more history of small-town life in northern Ontario in the early 20th century, and for updates on what's coming, be sure to follow our Instagram at Dark River Podcast. Though based on actual history, this story is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living, dead, or other is entirely coincidental and unintentional. Thank you for stopping by, and check back again down the road, for we will return. <laughs>